This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. I'm Tanya Mosley. In 1987, my sister Anita vanished without a trace. Decades later, thanks to DNA, we found her. But that's only the beginning of the story. She Has a Name is a new audio documentary that explores the search for redemption, confronting trauma, and healing in the face of unimaginable loss. Subscribe now to Truth Be Told Presents She Has a Name, where every revelation brings us closer to the truth. Hello, I'm Lale Arikogli, and welcome to Women Who Travel. This month, we've been hearing some phone calls between our listeners and me about travels they've taken in search of something. These phone calls have taken us to the Philippines, camping in the Grand Canyon and across Europe. And today, we hear from Stephanie, who spoke with us from her New York City apartment after just returning from Oaxaca, where she spent several weeks with a group of women during a personal and professional crossroads and gained something rare, perspective. What type of traveler are you? Okay, so I would say I am the kind of traveler that really, like, I got back from Mexico on Friday, and on Sunday, I was already starting to think about my next trip. (laughs) So I am constantly trying to figure out where I'm going next, what I'm going to be doing next. I I want to go everywhere. I also like to go to places that are not as often visited. Very, like, at least even if I go to a main area, go to, like, a place that isn't very tourist-heavy within that area. Sounds really exciting to me. I'm also a spreadsheeter. I love a plan. I love being like, on these days, we're going to rest. And on these days, we're going to do activities. Oh my God, I'm so impressed by spreadsheeters. (laughs) I am not. I'm an aspiring spreadsheeter, but it all gets channeled into my job and never in my own personal trip. You got to try it. It it brings me so much calm. Um, I will be honest that I usually do the spreadsheet thing when I'm going with other people. But when I'm by myself, like I was for this trip, the spreadsheet is like in my head. Okay, so I really want to get into this trip because you went to Oaxaca, which is a place that I am desperate to get to. Yeah. But before you take me there, I'm interested to know kind of like what sort of place were you in before you took the trip? Because often that can really inform both the reasons you're going, but also what the experience is like. I actually knew I was going to Oaxaca last year. And that was because I had signed up for a program in Oaxaca. And a lot happened earlier this year. I just was so busy. And then there was just a lot of chaotic moments in my personal life and in my professional life. In the last couple of years, I've been working in the media industry. And while I love what I do, it has become really tumultuous, (laughs) frankly. And so this to me was 
in a lot of ways, a crossroads. It, for me, was a chance to kind of reframe and reset what I actually wanted to do. You know, I love that because I travel a lot, obviously. And someone kind of made a slightly like flippant comment to me that then I got like really hung up on, which was that, which suggested that traveling all the time is often because you're just trying to like run away from real life. Ooh. But it sounds to me, I know, I was like, that's Deep. harsh. <laughs> I quite like my life. <laughs> I just also really like traveling. But it sounds like to me, it really was the opposite. You were traveling to Oaxaca in search of something and in search of the next phase of your career and of life in some ways. Exactly. Yeah. I think for the last 10 years, I have built a life that I'm actually very happy with that, you know, I do not identify that I'm trying to run away from it, but I can feel it in my bones that I need a shift. And so Oaxaca in a lot of ways for me felt like an opportunity to just start a new chapter, you know? So you get that. Yeah. Tell me about it. Where were you staying So I got there very late on a Wednesday, and the place that I was staying was essentially an Airbnb. It was huge. I walk in the doors, and there's this huge open space. It almost feels like a courtyard within the house. And a woman greets me. She is one of the program directors. She takes me to my room and opens the doors. And I'm instantly in love. It's this huge room, the size of my bedroom, bathroom, and hallway combined in New York. Uh, The ceilings are 10-foot, maybe 15-foot ceilings, and there's a kitchen attached to the bathroom. So it's just, it's massive. And the first night, I, for some reason, usually I have trouble sleeping in new places, but I just, I knocked out immediately. And when I woke up, there were these huge, because in Oaxaca, or at least where I was staying, there were no windows on either sides of the walls, but there was light light coming from the roof. Like a big skylight? Yes, exactly. So there were like four mini skylights on these 15-foot ceilings, and they were just beaming light in the morning. And so when I woke up that morning, it was like, oh, I'm here. I made it. Like, this is it. This is the beginning. And so you were there as part of, you know, you refer to the program director. So clearly you had some sort of like schedule. Yes. Who who were you with? And and what was that dynamic like? Because you were kind of like traveling on your own, but you were with people. Yeah. I have complicated feelings about being with groups and traveling with groups. I think that's my same. only child really comes out in me. I'm also an only child. Oh my so God. Same. <laughs> <laughs> same, especially when you're traveling in groups with people that you don't know, but you're only, uh, yeah. So I only met the program director very briefly that night, but then the morning I woke up, um, part of why I woke up was because I heard these voices outside my door. And it was the two other women that I was traveling with. They, One of them also is from New York and the other one is from Wales. And we didn't know each other beforehand. And frankly, I, I don't know, I get a little nervous, you know, meeting people in a new place 
when you're traveling, it's traveling can be very vulnerable, you know? And so and a part of me was excited to not be fully alone, but another part of me was like, I don't know, what are the dynamics going to be? And after I woke up and I got my coffee, I went out into the courtyard where they were and we started chatting and it became very clear like, oh, this is why people do programs because they set you up with like-minded individuals. These were people who were very much in the same, you know, industry as I was and also had very similar wants out of the program and also found themselves in very similar crossroads. And so in a lot of ways, it worked out better than I thought it could have because we just instantly gelled. Tell me a little bit about the program. What were you? Yes. What were you doing? So the program is called Poco a Poco, and there's a couple of different things that it serves. But the reason I was there was to be part of an independent study. It's a ten day program where you come in with an idea or a project in mind, and you spend the next ten days working on it at your own pace. So for me, it was something to do with writing. Like I've been working on a lot of writing projects lately, and that's not necessarily like my background is writing, but not as the front facing of who I am. So for me, it was an opportunity to take the writing I've already done in the background and put it in the foreground. And so a lot of people who do the program end up having similar backgrounds. Like one of the women I was with, um, she's a curator at a museum, but she was there to do stuff that had to do like with culinary arts. And another woman was a film director, but she was there to do some like print magazine writing stuff. So actually, I don't know if it was print magazine stuff, but it was like other kinds of writing. So it was really giving people an opportunity. And it sounds like you definitely had the opportunity. Yeah. Kind of take that thing that you really care about that's part of your work. But like sometimes you probably feel like you don't quite have the time to do it or you feel guilty when you prioritize it over all your other work responsibilities, and you got to just actually, I mean, I want to say almost be selfish, right? Yeah, exactly. What did it feel like to be selfish? Freeing. I mean, that's creative freedom, right? When you're able to actually do the things that you want to do. We all have things we want to do. We all have, oh, if I had the time, I could do this. If I had the time, I could do that. But when you actually get the time and you know what you want to do, you feel freer than you ever have felt, or at least that's how I felt. So you got to be selfish, but you also were with other people. Yeah. (laughs) Tell me about some of the highlights. I mean, Oaxaca just seems like a really just rich and magical part of Mexico that, I mean, in terms of just in food and in alcohol and in fashion and textile, I mean, there's just so much there. And I have this picture in my head of it, but I want to hear what it's like. Yeah. I mean... In terms of why, because this pro- this kind of program could have been in a lot of different places, right? Um, but I think the reason that they chose Oaxaca is because of the rich cultural background. And I that was one of the reasons I wanted to go there, not just for the program, but to go to Oaxaca. And so I have to say, like, the, my experience there, in, like, immediately I felt connected to the city. It is a magical place in that the food is incredible. 
to not have one bad meal. I was eating memelas. I was eating playudas. I was eating um, just anything I could get my hands on. Black mole and green mole. And oh, it was incredible in terms of the food. Um, we also went about an hour away to a place where these really cool women collectives make pottery and we got these beautiful bowls clay bowls and plates from just this group of women that were so kind and and also have a really great Instagram presence and okay, you're gonna have to tell me what handle it is I will <laughs> I'm gonna look it up I can't remember off the top of my head um and then one of the other more memorable experiences was you know, about like day four or five, about halfway through the trip, one of the girls I was with, she was really excited about going to these. I didn't know much, but it was it, it was supposed to be kind of like this really incredible mountain with a waterfall. And um, I get a little car sick. So frankly, I don't love doing day trips when I go on vacation because it's always a gamble. Um, but I was like, she just hyped it up so much. I was like, all right, I got to go. And so we went. The trip there wasn't too bad, but it was literally like we were climbing up up a mountain in a taxi. And once we got there, you had to walk like about 15 minutes down the ledge. And the the first thing that you see are these kind of pools. We got there very early. And they were completely empty. No one was in them. And they were really beautiful. But we were also like, wait, where's the waterfall? (laughs) We were promised a waterfall. And so we just start kind of asking around. And someone directs us into this other area that we had to walk up all these steps. And it felt like a hike. And finally, we hear some water in the background. And when we get to the top, it is it is not a waterfall. So it's just like a river, or at least maybe sometimes it is a waterfall, <laughs> but it was not a waterfall when we went there. But when you look up, you just see this huge mountain and it is breathtaking. Like I I couldn't breathe. It was just so beautiful. And one of the women that I was with, um, her mother had passed away a year ago. And she told us that, you know, she brings like little pieces of her ashes to scatter them into different places that she travels to. Um, And those are places that usually she feels like her mom would have loved to be in or places that you know, her mom actually wanted to go to, but never got to go. And so as we were looking up at this mountain, she was like, I think this is, I think this is the spot. I have to take my mom here. And so we find like this area and she goes off to the corner and she scatters her mother's ashes. And then she comes back and talks about how her mom loves birds and how birds were such a meaningful thing for her mom. And as she's kind of giving us this background, we look up and there's just this sea of birds circling exactly where she had just scattered her mother's ashes. It was just like incredible. Like you, you could not, and the birds just, just swarmed for about a minute or two and then they flew away and they scattered. And it was like, I don't know how you see something like that and you don't, you know, believe in whatever you believe, but 
believe in something. And for me, that was a trip highlight. Like we, I walked away from that being like, oh my God, I'm meant to be here. She's meant to be here. These, I'm meant to be here with these women. And we are also surrounded by something else greater than us, you know? I feel like travel is really unique in that it throws you together with strangers to often have really intense or significant shared experiences that you would never have with a stranger in everyday life. Because at at that point, what, you'd known these women for four days days, and suddenly you're together at this like incredibly meaningful moment. Did you find that like almost like fast track your relationships? Definitely. Do you think there was something special about it being with women? Yes. I think, A, it definitely intensified our relationship to each other. And B, the group I was with, not only these three women that I had been doing the program with, but the the program director and all the people who were running the program were also all women. And just being in a place that is, A, meant for creativity B, you're with like-minded individuals, and then C, it's all women, you instantly feel a a connection. Connection doesn't even feel like a strong enough word. Like you just feel a binding presence, maybe is is a better word, where, you know, forget what happens after this trip and maybe even forget what happened before. Like we have this moment together. And as women, <laughs> we just, we we will always hold it. Even at, we we talk about, we, we're still on WhatsApp and we still text every now and then. But even that, it doesn't feel the same. I have to be honest. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that is because this experience that we share together is so deep and connected and present in that moment that you really, you can't even re-experience it. You know, when we started having this conversation, you talked a little bit about the headspace you were in before you went and what you were looking for and I don't want to put words in your mouth but it kind of sounds like you were looking for answers in some way or clarity as to what your next steps were do you think that experience on the mountain helped get you to the next place yes because even though you know it wasn't my mother but being there it was such a reminder that to me that while I may, you know, every day we just go on our computers and we like work these jobs and we do the thing, capitalism and blah, blah, blah. And like, <laughs> but like you look up, you, you, when you look up and you see like how we are just so much bigger than our individual experiences, it, is such a reminder that you can, whatever the thing is that you're going through is so temporary and you can shift it. I'm Lale Arakoglu and you can find me on Instagram at Lale Hanna. Our engineer this week is Jake Loomis. The show is mixed by Amar Lal. Jude Kampfner from Corporation for Independent Media is our producer. Special thanks to Jordan Bell for producing this episode. If you have a memorable travel story, write to us at womenwhotravel at cntraveler.com. Next week, New Yorker writer Rebecca Mead shares memories of her 2021 trip to Pompeii with recent updates on fast food in ancient Rome.
I'm Chris Murphy. I'm Richard Lawson. And I'm Hilary Busis. We are from Vanity Fair's Still Watching Podcast. Next up, we're watching the new HBO show, The Regime. Madam Chancellor, let's keep the gloves on. This is not a confrontation. We're just saying what's true. Academy Award winner Kate Winslet is our chancellor as she leads a faux European autocracy in turmoil. We'll be watching week by week as the regime unravels. And we'll be talking to the stars along the way. New episodes of Still Watching will drop every Sunday after the regime airs. I'm Tanya Mosley. In 1987, my sister Anita vanished without a trace. Decades later, thanks to DNA, we found her. But that's only the beginning of the story. She Has a Name is a new audio documentary that explores the search for redemption, confronting trauma, and healing in the face of unimaginable loss. Subscribe now to Truth Be Told Presents She Has a Name, where every revelation brings us closer to the truth.